Hello and welcome back to the men's room. Thank you as always for joining us. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Men's Room to keep updated with new episodes. We are back. We're back on YouTube. We're back on Spotify and everywhere that you get your podcasts. As always, I'm joined by the amazing Adam Brown. Hello. And the brilliant Zach Boritz. Hello. How are we doing, boys? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, good. Good Good stuff. Good stuff. Finally on YouTube, boys. We've made it. I know. Long last. (laughs) Exactly. And this week we're discussing the brilliant, the masterpiece, Afterlife by Ricky Gervais. Zach, do you want to talk us through what Afterlife is in case anyone hasn't seen it? Well, I'd be surprised if I haven't heard of it, but uh, the series itself is about what well, follows Ricky Gervais's character, Tony. Tony, he's just uh, lost his wife. Or how, was it just when when it starts? I think it's about three months or six months. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think it was immediate, but he's it shows him really well. I wouldn't say struggling, but he's not liking life at the moment. Yeah, he's he's. He's completely fed up with it. All he 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 literally he misses his wife like to death. He is yeah. absolutely miserable without her, and he he takes it out on absolutely everyone in the world. I think that covers it. Really, he's like mm. depressed and just miserable. It's and you can really tell. Yeah. Like, the idea he, he comes across really well. The idea being is that his wife died of cancer, and then he wants to kill himself, and he plans to kill himself. But it's uh, it, they've got a pet dog. And the dog is the what stops him from killing himself because he wants to feed. He, he wants to feed the dog. The dog needs feeding. And in, in a podcast, Ricky Gervais says that is just some something people do. You know, it it started off as being a funny thing, but people do like before people walk into the walk into the sea, they fold their clothes up on the beach. You know, it's that kind of thing. And as mm. Tony is shopping for dog food, he's thinking to himself, "I should be dead now." So this is all sort of borrowed time. So the idea is that he wants to punish the world. And when he has enough, he will get around to killing himself. And it leads him down this path of... Because afterlife is interesting, because if you look back on it, in terms of actual events in a series, nothing much happens. You're just mm. sort of spending... Not drastic. There's a, there's a handful of, I would say, plot developments in the sense of something fairly drastic happens, but it's not yeah. like you're not watching like his wife die or whatever. It, it sort right. of starts the action if you know what I mean yeah of course so we follow him for three hours six half hour episodes and it is a lot of just him going through his day he visits his dad who's um got Alzheimer's in a care mm. home he goes into work late he, he's a, a journalist well he doesn't like the word journalist he works for the local paper uh, and he you know goes around to our houses and interviews people that have got five of the same birthday cards and a birthday just Little small town newspaper, nothing groundbreaking, things like that. But it's you go on this journey with him of he now because he doesn't care about life, he doesn't have anything to live for in a sense. He goes down these dark paths that he perhaps wouldn't have if his wife was still around. He hangs out with drug dealers and sex <laughs> workers, things like that. And it's really interesting because you get uh, not we won't do any spoilers just at the moment. But there's a real development in the character of Tony. Yeah, there is. Mm, massively. I think it's probably the, the most in-depth character that Gervais has played. I know, obviously, people go on about David Brent, but like he's a bit of a caricature, whereas this guy feels very real. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's, yeah he, you could really feel he's real as fuck in there. He's very grounded. Compared to, some, yeah, compared to someone like David Brent, when you're like, even though it looks like a documentary, you're like, okay, this is a character. Exactly, yeah. So a genius one at that. Yeah, exactly. 
We will say that, the, I mean, between the three of us, I think Ricky Gervais is an absolute hero. Uh, I'm right in saying that, yeah. the three of us, in different senses. Yeah. Um, so this will be a little bit of a... <laughs> I hope it won't be a complete bum licking, but it, it's entirely possible. Yeah, might. exactly. Yeah. There's, no, there's no chance that Afterlife is going to be below a five on the scale. That's all <laughs> no. I'm saying. No spoilers for our overall grade on it, but... Do you think that this is Ricky Gervais's best work or his most raw work? Or how would you describe it, Zach, first? Definitely his most raw. Uh, I, I'd say maybe my only kind of gripe with it is that it's more sad than funny. Right, okay. Like, it's funny It's funny as fuck. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. There's some of the characters are absolutely brilliant. Like, but the Ricky Gervais character himself isn't actually that funny. He's mm. more kind of depressed and the funny thing is kind of obviously is the bit things he says yeah but his character itself is pretty like depressing of course and, yeah. and, and you're sometimes just sat there like tears in your eyes thinking am i watching a comedy or like, is it classed as a comedy well I, I listened to a podcast with gervais and he says that it's a similar sort of thing with derek he's asked a lot of mm. oh is it a comedy and ricky gervais always says well well what is real life you know we want it to be a comedy and then we find a lump. It's that kind of thing. It's, oh, we want it to be funny, yeah. but so he says that it's the, the most accurate to real life that he's ever done. And I definitely think so. I agree with you. Tony is a tragic character, mm. and when you look back on you know his old work, uh, you know, Invention of Lying. There's a a, a putz. There's a comedy character in that mm. uh, extras. It's always the celebrity <clears throat> in extras that's the Love comic extras. relief, and uh, his friend with The Office, you've got Gareth and David Brent himself. Mm. Whereas this, there's not really a, a comic character. In the next Scott is the postman. The postman, the yeah. Postman and the only one. And is it Kev, the one that keeps coming into the newspaper yeah, office? Yeah, the legend. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. And Derek, you've got Carl Pilkington's character. That's sort of the comic relief. So it is very different mm-hmm. in the sense of, yeah, you're right. It isn't quite a comedy. But the, I think, do you not agree that the drama and the sadness makes the comedy even funnier when there is a brief? Yeah, in, yeah, in a way, yes. But uh, obviously, there's it's so different to any Ricky Gervais show ever. Even Derek, Derek was more of on the serious side at points, mm. but it was still. I don't know. It's just something different. I don't know. I can't really explain it about Afterlife. It's just a bit. It's just. It, it's it's brilliant though. I do. I do really like it. It's just. I don't know why I can't grasp around the difference of how it is to his other ones. Mm. Adam, what are your thoughts on it? I think that it's probably the most mature thing that Gervais has done. Like you can tell this is someone who's gone from doing, you know, doing David Brent, doing The Office, like doing these sort of sort of madcap comedy kind of things. This is more grounded and it's more real, and it, it sort of shows how good Gervais has got at doing this kind of thing. So I think in all of his stuff, as good as he is at doing comedy, which is, I don't even up for question, when he does moments of, of like, hard-hitting emotion in those other shows, it's like, fucking hell. It, like, it hits you, like, in, in a way that really is does. so miraculous. Like, I think back to... Um, Derek when they when the dog gets put down you think about those moments like that and there's, there's even little little quiet moments in the office where you're like oh that's kind of yeah a bit depressing 
like I can't remember. I vaguely remember it's like someone's shoe gets like punted over the top of the office in like oh, one of Tim. the early. Yeah. Yeah. Like that bit, I was like, oh, oh that's kind of sad actually. Like, yeah. Gervais has been good at sort of tugging on your heartstrings a bit, and yeah. I think I think this is probably his most personal work. I mean, it's quite blatant that his relationship with his wife is very heavily based on his real wife Jane. Mm. There is some blatant similarities, like the way he sort of takes a mick out of her, but it's all quite well-meaning. Like, yeah, yeah. That it's that authentic stuff that Gervais is so good at. He's so good at capturing um, realism, I think. Like, even with the sort of quirkier, weirder characters, as much as you can accept that, yeah, these, these aren't real. Like, they're not realistic as such. You, you're still a bit like, yeah, I know people like this. Even with, like, like, he's always done it, like, with Brent, obviously. He was, people have had those kind of bosses. Um, but I think with all the characters in this as well, they're, they're quite grounded in reality. Yeah. And I think that's strength. I think we can move on to a sort of more spoiler territory conversation with this. What do we think about the other characters throughout the series? Because we've talked about that Tony sort of goes on this journey of development. What about <laughs> the other characters? Like the, well, the, the drug dealer? Yeah, I, I think that's always that's quite an interesting subplot, that whole thing about Gervais' character sort of going down these dark roots. I think the thing I love about his character and how it plays into all the others is that he's putting himself into these worlds where he's in danger, but you get the feeling that he doesn't really, he doesn't really mean it. He doesn't really want to do it. He just does it because he wants to feel something. Mm. And I think the the drug dealer and like the sort of the addict and everything that happens with that character, yeah, it's quite moving. I think you get like as much as Gervais's character is constantly going, oh. Oh, I'm depressed. Oh, fuck it. The world's a plague. Oh, I hate everything. Like, he's always doing this. That's a guy who's really down on his luck, and it sort of begins to, to tweak his opinion. I think all the other characters inform you about elements of Tony, and I think that, that works really well. Yeah. You get what I mean? Oh, definitely. Yeah, the, yeah, the addict plays a massive part in like, the character development of Tony, I think, don't you think? Yeah, oh, no, definitely. Yeah. When they say, you know, when he says, oh, I can't believe we're so alike, he says it like three or four times. And the guy goes, We're not, though. Yeah. Like, definitely. Every time he's like, But we're not. You're not as bad as me. And it kind of, I think it does help him realize, especially after, spoiler alert, he dies. The, the, drug, the, the drug addict, he dies yeah. of an overdose from the money fucking Tony gave him yeah. to do it. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I've fucking completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> it's all right, I know what you mean. What um what if we're okay, if we're on to that point, what that was probably the my least favourite point of this series when so obviously uh Tony and the drug dealer are, are meeting up a few times because Tony is now fuck it, I'll try drugs, why not? And the drug dealer the first night steals his wallet, Tony's wallet, and then the next night, Tony gives him money. Or no, he says to him, don't rob me again. And then the next night, the drug dealer says, if I had enough money, I'd take an overdose. And Tony gives him a massive wad of money and says, don't waste it on food. And then the next day, the drug dealer is found dead. That was probably the least... Because what we get from Tony, he is depressed, he is down. But he, throughout the whole series, he does show a level of compassion we see it with Penelope Wilton's character in the graveyard talking to her husband. We see it with... She's brilliant. She's incredible. We'll get on to her in a second. 
we see it with the the nephew and we see it with elements with the new girl sandy in work he does care for people Mm. so do you think that maybe it is him caring for this drug addict that himself has lost a partner go on i think it was because he he understood where he was coming from and he I think that I think that's the shot it was like when he tells him he's, he's kind of realizing like fuck people do get to this and I don't think he knew that there was a way out for him right and mm. that's when he and, and I think him being so low himself was like fucking hell yeah he'll be happier if I give him if he dies he will genuinely be happier if he's not around anymore do you think that there's a element that Tony's character is a sort of He's sort of jealous of the drug dealer in that the only thing stopping him from killing himself is the lack of funds. Because we see throughout the series that Tony, want, we see him in the bath about to slit his wrists. We see him about to walk into the ocean, but he has to walk back. He's sort of scared, isn't he? He talks about how he wants to kill himself, but we see him have the opportunities to in the series, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's anything yeah. to unpack with that? Yeah, I think I think he might be a bit scared without knowing, uh, because think, people people bring it up a few times as well. They're like, "Why haven't you done it?" And he keeps just going like that, like that, and then they yeah. go, "The uh, the widow Fine we date. went on a date with, yeah, yeah, yeah," and and she was a bitch. But again, very good scene. Mm. Um. Anyway, sorry, go on, Adam. I was going to say that I think that's an interesting point because I think the point of Afterlife, because I remember watching it and being like watching his character and often thinking suicidal people aren't often like this and then i realized ah oh, that's that's the point yeah the point is he's going oh i'm suicidal i'm depressed i want to fucking die and he, he kind of does but i don't think he realizes what it means and i think as he goes through this show he realizes that i've got too many other things in my in my life to to worry about as much as i want it to be empty now that my wife's gone it's not actually the case and that there's there's other stuff he's got to worry about like his nephew and about his brother as well and i think it's it's more of a it's almost a bit like christmas carol it sounds like a really weird comparison to make yeah i get completely what you mean i was getting vibes like that yeah go on go on like where he begins to to realize that there is more to what's going on than his his own sort of selfish view and then he begins to to realize what he's been doing and I think in, I think I might have actually hit onto something there. Yeah, it's modern day Scrooge. He is very, he is very much a Scrooge character, where he starts to, he does these sort of things and sort of thinks it's right, but he begins to realise that his sort of bitter worldview, he's sort of not earned it. If you get what I mean, like he's had this. Yeah, that's exactly it. But it's not really enough to warrant how bad he's been and then he realizes that there's other stuff he's got to fill that void with and he's got to be there for other people yeah. and i think that's the little arc that he goes on definitely yeah you're right because he does he starts off and he is very in that first episode you get a real sense ricky jake's brilliant writer uh little quips and stuff that he says that you and i would walk down the street and think but you wouldn't actually say because there's this whole social construct of, I can't say that because if I offend them and they get annoyed at me and then we could get into a fight. But Ricky Gervais's character is just so, I don't care anymore. One of the best bits for me is when uh, he's walking past the newspaper shop and the old lady comes, the headline is uh, 93-year-old mugged at knife point or something and the newspaper 
the news agent says, oh, horrible, scarred for life. And Tony goes, well, no, she's really not, though, is she? She's 93. Even if she lives to 100, that's only 7% of her life. And he's it, right. It's funny, and he's yeah. right. And it's things that we would think. We'd think, she's 93, not really. But you can't, you, in natural society, you go, yeah, I know, awful. Mm. But yeah, it's things like that. Yeah. It's beautifully written in, in terms of that. And the way uh, he harasses the, well, harasses the little child that calls him a pedo. You would just ignore that, but he doesn't. Things like that. I think that's a, a good point as well. Like the whole, there's a few things that I think the show does with that character arc, which is like we see Tony get to his absolute lowest, like with the drug dealer, and then when he threatens the kid. Mm. And from, I think because he hits that low point, he, he sort of has a, a, an awakening and goes, This isn't me. This, this isn't what I'm about. And then it sort of makes him wake up a little bit. Mm. And I think it's that stuff that I hope they explore in the next series. Yeah. Where they go down a route where they, they sort of look at some of the more shady things that Tony does in series one and then yeah. makes them sort of deal with that. Because yeah, I think that's definitely. surely the route to take this series down. Yeah, I've not seen anything on series two. Has there been anything on it? Well... well Maybe we'll cover that in a little minute. Maybe we'll we'll use that as a little bit of a concluding fact because there has been a trailer for it, uh, and it's out this Friday, which is sort of why we're doing this podcast as a sort of mm-hmm. uh, review the first season before we go into the second. Uh, let's talk about Penelope Wilton's character. I think she definitely stands out in this series. Brilliant actress. Uh, she plays. Um, I'm never going to remember her name. Anne. Anne. That's Anne. It, it is um, Anne. Yeah, Anne with Stan, the mm. dead husband that she's visiting the grave, uh, who is actually next to Lisa. That's how they meet. Um, what do we think of her character? Do you think that she plays a crucial role in this character development for Tony? Yeah, hundred percent. I think yeah. I think she's the only one before the last episode that he actually likes and has a has like a genuine like conversation with her, mm. and because a, a lot of the, every other conversation or like or interaction he, he has and he's kind of got the view of fucking hell what's this like going to be about yeah. and he has that sarcastic view on every kind of thing but it's like there's actual genuine conversations when he goes to this bench and talks yeah. to her and it's it is genuinely amazing she's a brilliant actress Definitely. i don't know what she'd been in she's Shaun of the dead wasn't it Shaun of the dead yeah she's been in quite yeah. a lot actually she's yeah. in Doctor Who as well, back in the yeah day. yeah definitely I think that she, um, Tony sees her, they've got a, a common kinship because Tony mentions a lot throughout the series to people. How could you possibly understand what I'm going through? You don't, like, you, you can't get this. You don't understand. Even to the brother-in-law, and that, that's his sister that's died. But mm. with Anne, Penelope Wilton's character, she's also there mourning her husband, mourning her other yeah. half. So I think that it's an unspoken common kinship that they've got. And that is why we have such amazing scenes between the two of them and how Tony sort of does confide in her about uh, you know all these little things like I threatened the kids and the nurse at her dad's home that he's sort of yeah getting advice her. about her yeah he's the only one that he she she's the only one that he talked to about her yeah and all, absolutely. all of the dad troubles and stuff but yeah amazing of course what do we think of the dad character? It's always the dads that gets me. Is it, Ricky Gervais is brilliant with eliciting emotion with parents. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's. I'm interested to see what they what they do with that character. I think 
it feels very authentic. Again, again this is Jabez's biggest strength, I think, is that everything he does feels very real, mm. very authentic. Um, even when he's doing weird shit, it's still like, yeah, yeah, I, I know what that's like. Like, it, it's, it's that ability to appeal to pretty much anyone. But with the dad character, I think he's great because it also, again, it, I think every element of the show comes back to Tony. And I think yeah. that one's an example where it sort of says, like, Tony has got no one he feels like he can talk to. He can't even talk to his parents because his, his dad's not even there, really. Like, he's, he's so distant and gone. But even looking at someone like his dad with, like, I don't think he's ever outwardly stated what he's suffering with, but it's blatantly, like, Alzheimer's. It's very, or, or like, dementia. It's something along the lines mm. of that. Yeah it's so brilliantly done because he manages to get comedy out of it but every time you laugh you feel sad about it yeah absolutely honestly well honestly i was i was welling up every dad scene almost near yeah, the end absolutely and, just, and what there was there's the bit where that the the nurse argued with him that scene was fucking horrible mm. well i think there was a few scenes that were just like feel like a lot of emotion what was it when he forgot he forgot something he wasn't he asked him how his wife was at the beginning yeah, and he gets into a bit of a spat with him. He well, he says it's it's a really not. I was going to say about that. It's a funny moment, but it's also a gut punch moment where Ricky Gervais' character is sat there, and his dad turns around and says, "How's Lisa?" And t Tony mm. replies like, "She's dead, Dad." And every time you ask me that, it really fucking hurts. You know that. And it's funny, but then it is, it's pain. That's, that, honestly, that is yeah. genuine. That. That was didn't even seem like acting weirdly. Right, right. Something like that. Oh, it's just absolutely brilliant. The dad scene at the end as well absolutely got me. That is well, when they started, like he started remembering. Yeah, yeah. So he sat. Tony sat there with the dad, and the dad's just despondent as as usual. And he turns. Uh, I think I think Tony says, "Do you know who I am?" And the dad says, "You visit every day." Um, also know who you are. Something, something like, like that. that. And Tony says, "Like, yeah, that's it." And then the dad turns and says, you're my boy. And he says about when he was seven, he, he got paint on the wall. And uh, he goes, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll go to the shed. I've got some wallpaper. And Tony says, yeah, you did, dad. You did it the next day. And that he, bit and got he's me. Cry he's crying, isn't he? Yeah, I was crying at that bit. And that's my next yeah. question. What bit, because I know you fuckers, like, you're not made of stone. Which bit <laughs> got you in this series? Oh, I could name like six or seven, mate. Right. Yeah, that's you for me that definitely got me. I would say the bit where he goes into the sea, that bit fucking got me. Um, there's a few bits with the dad that sort of hit me quite hard. I think that there are bits now where, you know, when he's talking about his wife, I think if you're in like a good relationship with someone and then you see those moments, you your brain instantly goes, oh, what if this were me? And then it hits like 10 times harder. It's like, oh, ow. Like, so yeah, I would, I would say... I think the moment where he goes into the sea, that's probably the moment that, that mm. sticks quite, quite a bit. Yeah. That bit does get me. Yeah, the, la the last 10 minutes for me, where, he's, where he has realised everything and he's, he's giving little gifts to everyone. Mm. And yeah. like, the, the Kevin Hart bit weirdly got me. You know when he cut out the bit of the magazine and he really? put it in the, uh, yeah. the snow globe. That, that was just, again, ridiculously emotional. It is funny, that bit is really Christmas Carol, isn't it? When yeah. throughout the series, Gervais, his character is, is taking the piss out of his co-workers and people around him. And, uh, you, you know, the, one of his co-workers has got an empty snow globe 
and Ricky Gervais' character is just like, oh, just put something you love in it. What do you love? And she says Kevin Hart. And at the end, he's put a picture of Kevin Hart in it and he's doing all these nice things for people. It is a real Christmas Carol moment. Oh, when uh, when he saw the fucking... Oh, I, just, oh, I forgot his name again, but uh, when he sees him on the front page of the newspaper, oh, that yeah. really got me as well. Kev, yeah. Yeah. When he's finally, because he, he's constantly trying to get in the paper and he finally gets into the paper. He's a brilliant yeah, character. Brilliant. He's a really, Ricky Gervais has a brilliant way of creating funny but tragic characters. I mean, we look all the way to David mm. Brent. David Brent is the, the biggest tragedy, really, because he is someone that <laughs> constantly wants to be loved and he's got, you know, he wants to be popular and he's got this camera crew in front of him, but it's all gone wrong. That is one of the first moments that I've sort of cried at or been emotional at, um, you know, a, a TV show or anything is when David Brent is getting sacked. Yeah, please don't make me redundant. Yeah, that. And yeah. It, Ricky Gervais is brilliant at those tragic characters and Kev in Afterlife is a brilliant, um, a brilliant source of that because this is a man that is desperate for fame, desperate to be in a shitty local paper mm. and it means everything to him. But only because of his wife leaving him, and that—that's the brute cause of it all. Yeah. And that's oh yeah. The whole, yeah, and the, I mean the Punch and Judy show he did. We, <laughs> yeah. Again, one of them things where it's funny, <laughs> but at the end you're sat there like fucking hell. This guy is fucked. Yeah, I'm gonna have to apologise. I his name's Brian in the series. It's not Kev. Uh, the character Brian, <laughs> played by David Earl. Um, incredible. Uh, what yeah, Brian. Of, yeah. What one of the other bits that got me is that uh, it's in the very first five minutes, I think. It, it's in the opening with the wife, essentially, because mm. it, it, he's looking back on old footage of them playing around, and then it's just him laying in bed, depressed. But a point where the the dog, uh, the best leading lady in in anything, the dog goes up to the grave and lays on Lisa's grave. And the music is just beautiful. The sound design of all of that is just really impactful. Things that, mm. little, little details like that, unspoken bits. Mm. Yeah, there's a few really sort of hard-hitting moments like that, I think. 100%. And uh, the, last, uh, the last clip that he was watching on the bed, mm. when he, I think it might have been the last clip. Yeah. Where he's, where he's got the drink and he comes at the end and at the end, he I mean, she she's obviously lies about the video she's making. Yeah. Because she says she's on Twitter or something, and that just that got me as well. Yeah, of course that is sad. And when he sees the room that she was in. Oh my God, Jesus! It's full of it's full of depressing moments, isn't it? It's a beautifully emotional series, which that is what character who he was with is also a great character. Might might I say, Lenny? We Lenny. mentioned him. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he's perfect. He's brilliant for his purpose isn't he he's he's brilliantly written yeah i also like the character of sandy yeah i think Which, she's a good character the the new journalist at the paper oh yeah mandy dylan she's a brilliant actress she's been in a few things but this is sort of the first one that she's shown any type of emotional range uh, in my experience with her yeah and i thought she was in doctor who she absolutely beautiful actress in terms of how she portrayed that emotion. She's sort of a silent character, and then out of nowhere, she's like, "Please don't kill yourself. Please be happy." And it actually gets Tony because it shows that vulnerability of Tony. It's like, oh, he's hard faced and taking the piss out of everyone, but if you challenge him on his emotion, it's it's like when the brother-in-law threatens to take away the nephew. 
He says, yeah. I, I can't let you see him if you're like this. It's little moments like that that you yeah. see the vulnerability of Tony. Exactly, okay. yeah. I think that's the best thing that the show does. Because initially I was a little bit hesitant. I thought it was just going to be Ricky Gervais. It's just going to be a prick to everyone for four hours. And that's going to be the show. And I was right. like, that's fine. That would be fun. But I will get bored of it. Right. But then it had this note of like, you never actually know what people are going through. So be considerate. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, thought of the real message of the show and it improves it tenfold when you, you start looking at it like that. Because a lot of people, it got a lot of weird reactions I found on Twitter. Really? A lot of people were like, oh, it's just Ricky Gervais being not snarky. It's like you clearly haven't paid any attention. It's that typical no. thing people just like to fucking complain. And it's like you've clearly not actually watched this show. Yeah. You've just given it shit because you don't like Ricky Gervais. It's one of those type of situations. It's like you need to actually watch the show before you can criticize it. Definitely. Novel content. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's so strong because it, it's so good at showing the reality of it. And it is, it's just, it shows Gervais as just a master of his craft now, especially with the fact that the episodes are quite short. Because they're only yeah. about like, they're about half an hour, 25 minutes or whatever. Half are. an hour. It's very easy to watch. It's very bingeable. It's about three hours and you can sit down and each episode sort of just flows into the next for sure. Yeah, yeah I think I got through it in like two days. So a, a slightly shorter segment, I feel this might be. Has anyone got any criticisms of Afterlife? Anything that they didn't perhaps enjoy as much or? Um, I mean... I mean few things i can think of but my main one would be that i think depending on how the second series handles it it's that concern of he does some pretty morally reprehensible things like letting with, with the drug dealer and the kids like he does some pretty bad stuff and for me when i watched the first year i was like it's like barely been mentioned i was like that's weird that that's sort of gone below like under the radar but my criticism of that will only stand if the second series doesn't look into that further which i imagine it would because gervais is a sharp enough writer not to forget like those important things that he set up mm. but yeah that'd be my only criticism is that the first series ends just a bit like oh yeah he did all this stuff but that's not relevant he's done these like four nice things now but okay yeah. i think that criticism will fade depending on how well this series handles it, if you get what I mean. Zach? I don't, I, I, I really did enjoy it, mate. I don't, the only kind of negative I kind of have is the morbidness of it all. But I, that kind of plays to the, how good it is as well. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. In any way? It's, it's, I don't. Yeah. It's a, st it's a steer away from Ricky Gervais's previous work. That's for sure. Mm. But yeah, as you say, it, it it doesn't pretend to be a comedy, but it's morbid. It very much is, you know, it opens with his wife is dead. So you, that sort of yeah. sets the tone. For me, a criticism, I'm going back on my word a little bit because I praised the dialogue earlier. There's a few moments where he does, we get that Tony is depressed and he, he hates the world and all of that. But I feel, in, especially in the first two episodes, two or three episodes, almost every interaction with any character, especially the brother-in-law, he repeats the sort of same phrase of, I want to punish the world and this, it's like a superhero, it's like a superpower and all this. And, this. and it feels like he has that same sort of exchange with quite a few people. Be a little bit on the nose. A little bit on the nose, some of the dialogue, yeah. But beyond that, I don't have a lot of criticism, which does lead me on to season two conversation, I suppose. 
I feel as though I might have a lot more to criticise when season two premieres this Friday because I sort mm. of like Afterlife as it is. I, I didn't I really didn't see a second series. To, right. To, to quote Alan Partridge. Right, yeah. I don't really <laughs> see a need for it. I trust Ricky Gervais. Brilliant, yeah. And I believe that he is very much a man that believes in quality, not quantity. A la, you know, The Office was two seasons. Extras, two seasons. Derek, I, I can't remember. Was that three or four? I think that was slightly longer. It was three, I believe. Right. But Afterlife 2, I feel that with season one, we saw this journey of Tony and it worked perfectly. And I don't want season two just to be him going about his day for six episodes and that's it. I don't want to see carrying on that. But also I don't want... My fear with season two is that the dad's going to die and it's going to be a whole relapse of Tony. So, oh, I don't want yeah, that. I think that's the route they'll take it. I, in the sense of, I think the dad is fucked potentially. Right. But yeah. they, what they could do with that is show Tony's development by being like, right, last time he went through a death, it completely threw him. This time, he's going to deal with it maturely. Because he might right. have a girlfriend in this one. Yeah. What do we think about that? So, uh, for a bit of context for our listeners, the so Lisa is dead. And at the end of episode six, there's been this sort of back and forth between uh, Tony and his dad's carer, uh, played by Ashley Jensen, who played uh, opposite Gervais and Extras. Emma. Massive role in Extras. Yeah, Emma, the carer, she is in Afterlife. They go on a date at the end of uh, season, uh, episode six. And I've seen the trailer for Afterlife 2, and she is much more actively involved now. Is she? Yeah. And I sort of don't want that because it ta- almost take uh, I hope I'm wrong but it could take away from the emotional side of season one which made it which is what made it so yeah, amazing. Might slightly yeah I may maybe look at it as like now that he's with some there's, there's a lot of angles they can take after life um I think with that they could really look into how he deals with having to be emotionally open with someone in a relationship again having Obviously, last time he was in one, he was with the love of his life, and then he lost her. Mm. I think that would be an interesting angle for them to explore, and I'd, I'd be eager to see that. See him sort of have maybe have to let go of his slightly more snarky nature and realize he's, you know, if he wants this to work, he needs to step up to the plate. I think that could be interesting. Mm. Um, but I get what you mean. Like you don't want it to just be like, oh, he's fine now, he's all good. Yeah. Like, happy and walking his dog and that's like the whole plot like you don't really want it to be like that um but it, it, i think Chavez is smart enough to explore that character and hopefully give it I, I mean i'd like to see that character have a happy ending you don't really want him to have this sort of miserable existence like he did in yeah no i'd like to see a happy ending but would you like to see a happy ending go on for six episodes that's i'd like thing. to st- I i'd like to, to see he has to earn it if you get what i mean yeah, I'd like to see a struggle in the series and and him overcoming it, like just basically what Adam says, yeah. But isn't that season one? This is what I mean. It feels like I, I have... Yeah, there's that danger it repeating itself. I have complete trust in Ricky Gervais and his writing, but season two, it, 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 it could rehash a lot of the same issues, which season one mm. did perfectly, and I don't want season two to be absolutely mundane and... Oh, I could have just watched season one. I don't yeah. think it will, though. I think Ricky, Ricky will have something. 
Mm -hmm. Good old Separation with the ideas that he's looking at, or could be looking at rather, Mm. in this series. So I'm not too concerned. Okay. Like, I'm fairly confident that those ideas will work. Yeah. Um, If he does them well enough. And I genuinely think he would, because he's not ever really produced a dud, you know. Yeah. Yeah, as far as like exactly, yeah. There's not. There's been very like few bad points in his like. I was going to say discography, but he's not an artist. But you know, the the filmography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm confident his ability that he would explore those themes in a way that isn't just another excuse for Gervais just to be snarky at people, Um, which were great. But I think they were actually some of the more overtly just like I'm going to say rude things you, you fucking idiot to people are some of the slightly weaker moments of the show right not that they're, I think they're a bit more like obvious like if you go it's just it becomes a bit of a vehicle sometimes just for Gervais to be snarky mm. but with um, with the new series of Afterlife hopefully he'll, he'll avoid that and explore some of the darker elements of the first series and go right how does someone come back from this and then sort of goes from there and then we get like a good maybe even a bit of sweet ending like he gets the girl but his dad dies or whatever it may be like yeah you know what i mean <laughs> you are exactly <laughs> he gets the girl and his dad dies yeah you, you understand what i'm saying though, didn't you? yeah like I do. yeah you know, he'd be like oh he miraculously cures alzheimer's and his dad's fine <laughs> yeah because that would be fucking ridiculous it would it would. wouldn't go down that route anyway but i mean like It'd be nice to see where. I, I think Gervais, if he's, I think he's sensible enough to do a slightly more bittersweet ending. So even if he doesn't get the girl in the end, but comes out a bit happier, mm. then you know that that works for me. I would still enjoy that as an idea. Mm. Okay. But it'll be good to see where it goes. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, and of course uh, we will review that uh, fairly sharpish. Actually, we will uh, absolutely cane that and have a, an episode up for you reviewing that when it comes out. It does come out on Friday. To be honest, I'll, I'll be happy to watch six more episodes of Ricky Gervais oh, as yeah. long as he doesn't touch the dog. If the dog dies... Oh, mate, I didn't think of that. I'm done. Oh, shit. If, if, that, ha- yeah, if that happens, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. He'll avoid the dog territory. I'm hoping. Be- so, lads, all right, the, the difficult part of the episodes, um, obviously not... Rating Afterlife Season 1 out of 10. So we've got Quiz and Tiger King sitting on 8 on the ladder of TV rankings. Who wants to kick us off with a number and why? Out of 10, how does it stand? So I'm still thinking that. I'm still mulling over my number. Still mulling over your number. Is it B.5? You just add a solid number. I need a solid. I need a solid number, and then between the three of us, we'll come to a consensus. Okay. Right. I'm. I'm gonna go for very boring again, and an eight. Oh man! An right, an eight. Okay. I mean, there is only a few numbers you can really pick for this one. It's either a nine, an eight, or a seven. Right. Okay. Why would it be? Opinion. Why would it be a seven? Give me general generalization for that. I mean, I did say eight. But... No, I know, but I know, but just for the sake of content. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it could be a seven because of maybe the the more the morbidity of it. Maybe going in blind to a series like this, right? You might be thinking, "Wow, Ricky Gervais, you might this this will be something," and then you obviously might not expect it when you actually view it. 
because I'm pretty sure the first scene is his wife in like clearly you can tell she has cancer in the video yeah and it so maybe that's the reason why it's, it's a seven but I I I like Ricky Gervais's arsehole so yeah. I'm gonna make it an eight. <laughs> at least he's honest okay Adam what are you thinking out of ten see I think as much as I'm gonna throw a number out there for me it's because of how it all I think for some some regard it's totally dependent on what happens in the next series yeah um but I'm going to throw out, I think, a high seven. Because as much as I thought it was a really good show, and it's not entirely a comedy, and I did really enjoy it, I've never really felt the temptation to watch it again. Really? And, it's, and even though I did really like it, I've not been like, I need to watch After. I really fancy watching Afterlife. I've not really felt that. Um, even though I did genuinely think it was a great show like i've never felt that that need to, to watch it again um but also it brings me back a little bit to you know like game of thrones like the first few series of game of thrones brilliant mm. last few series dog shit right like and yeah. thinking about that it's like i obviously it's not the same scale but i don't want the the second series to be <laughs> and then mm. completely undermine series one so because I feel like even if you look at them as two separate beasts, if series two is bad and it shits on series one, it's inherently going to taint series one. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I, I think so as well. I, I agree with that. Yeah. And if there's one thing I hate, it's taint. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be ideal for me. So yeah, I'm going to put it as a seven now. And that, that might shift to like an eight if Afterlife Series 2 is really good. Or it might go down depending on if series two isn't good. Okay. So yeah, that's what, that's my logic. Interesting. Okay. Oh, I'm I'm in a difficult point because I don't want to add another eight to the chart, but it does feel like a very. Well, I mean, I, I I'm going to say nine out of ten because I think that the writing's brilliant. I think that it is Gervais uh, at his best, to be honest. Yeah. I think that the characters are brilliant. I do think that he has written the characters brilliantly. But I'm very open to change my number, depending on how season two is. Yeah. So we've got a, a seven, an eight, and a nine. I think logistically, we're going to have to meet in the middle and match uh, Zach's eight out of ten for Afterlife. We're all happy with that, lads. Yep. Yeah. All, all right. good. I, th I, think, I think we will, that number is very prone to changing yeah. in the next couple yeah. of days when Thingy comes out. Exactly. season two yeah it's going to be shaped by whatever series two is exactly so ricky gervais yeah. if you're listening uh, <laughs> <laughs> you imagine the headline tomorrow afterlife pulled from netflix another six months to rewrite it after scathing review from the men's room <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay brilliant stuff so okay so we conclude it there afterlife sits at eight out of ten it joins quiz and tiger king on the eighth rung of the tv ranking from men's room make sure to uh follow us on instagram at real men's room to recommend any series uh that we should watch i'm quite looking uh i'm looking forward to reviewing some shit tv for this yeah I we'll watch I wanna, anything i want to fill in that one to three sort of area of the, of the ring. Oh, i want one where someone thinks it's an eight and the other one thinks it's a three you want a bit of argument 
Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. That'd be good. All right, brilliant. So yeah, absolutely. If you are listening and you feel like you're screaming a TV show that we should watch at the screen, uh, definitely DM us on Instagram and make sure to give us a follow while you're there at Real Men's Room. Thank you very much for joining me, Zach and Adam. No Any worries. Time? Have a good week, gents. Uh, we'll catch up later in the week when we watch Afterlife. Make sure to go and watch Afterlife Season 1. Uh, it is on Netflix. And Season 2 premieres on Friday, the 25th of April, I believe it will be. 24th. Um, 24th, thank you very much. And we will be back with a review on that uh, very, very quickly. Until then, make sure, of course, we are on YouTube now, so make sure to subscribe and click that bell to keep updated with all of our new uploads. In the meantime, stay safe, stay inside, and we'll catch you later. See you later. So long. <laughs>